Welcome to the RYR Endurance Team Podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to tune in and listen. If you are a runner, aspiring runner, triathlete, or aspiring triathlete, you are in the right place. We love sharing what we know about these sports. If you like what you hear, you can always learn more by contacting us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or by visiting our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening. Good evening, Paula. How's it going? It's going great. It's Friday evening after a long four-day week coming back from the holidays. Yep, you had to go back to work this week, and it was an adjustment for both of us. Ready for the weekend. Yep, I was expecting to start babysitting Ann again this week on Thursday, yesterday, and today, Friday. But instead, we got our first big snow of the season, which I don't know what the final inch count was, but I bet we got four or five inches. That's big for us. Pretty big for Owensboro, Kentucky. You never know from year to year if you'll get a snow or not. Yeah, and we had close to 70 degrees on Christmas Day, and now it's in single digits or in the teens with snow on the ground. Yes, and a lot of our athletes aren't feeling well, and they're being tested for all the things and coming back negative, so I think maybe the weather just being summer, spring, winter, summer, spring, winter from day to day, experiencing everything every day, the body's just confused. Yeah, and thinking beyond Owensboro, there's just a lot of sickness going around. There is. One of our athletes who lives in South Carolina is going to run a marathon next weekend? Yes. Or this coming weekend, I guess. Now that Not tomorrow. Now that we're listening to this on Monday. But she has been really roasting in her runs, like 70, 75 degrees. But... On marathon day, it looks like the temperatures are going to be perfect. Mid-40s at the beginning and maybe in the low 50s toward the end. Yeah, prayers for a wonderful race. And prayers for no precipitation during the race. So how was your week of training? It was interesting. I ended up in the latter part of the week. Well, first of all, I've run every day in 2022 so far. Not because I'm trying to be a streak run or anything. It's just because it's worked out and I'm finally regaining my strength. You know, we've talked about before, late November, early December, I had that virus or whatever was going around and my slow, easy runs have been 20 to 30 seconds off, but I just haven't pushed my body and just starting this past week, things have felt better and uh, my easy run paces are getting back to the range where that effort usually yields, so that's nice. But I did a workout on the treadmill, and you and I do not like our athletes doing any kind of short, quick intervals on the treadmill because by the time they get it up to pace and the time they bring it back down, you really don't even know when the interval starts and ends. And we really like our athletes to do that by effort and not be forced into a specific pace. But my workout this week, was mile repeats at half marathon effort. So I really didn't look at where the treadmill was landing. I just kept easing it up until it felt like my half marathon pace and I didn't worry about it too much. So I just enjoyed doing the workout. I had my phone propped up 
and my AirPods in. So I was watching a show and running and it went by pretty quickly for the treadmill. We've had several athletes this week who, because of the snow and ice and not having access to a treadmill, have just had to forego running. Some of those athletes have a bicycle setup where they could do a spin and some did yoga. So they've tried to stay active, but sometimes you just have to relax and deal with what you're dealt. Just go with the flow. Go with the flow. So that's why we want to be consistent when we're healthy and be consistent when we can be because there's always going to be those little roadblocks that come up throughout the year and then you're in shape and it won't kill your fitness. If it was easy, everybody would do it. This is true. So my week has been interesting. I was on somewhat of a streak up until mid-December. I took a day off and then I resumed training. But this week I had a little niggle that turned into more of a pain. And so I've taken three days off of running this week. But I've used that training time to get on the bike and do some rides. And I've done a little bit of strength work that uh, I was doing the strength work already but this just gave me a little bit more time to focus on but things are feeling better and I don't know if the snow is crunchy enough I may have to go for a test run tomorrow. I'm not a huge fan of the treadmill personally because it seems to irritate my Achilles tendons so I would rather venture out into freezing cold if it's safe or just go for a walk or a, a bike ride rather than risk an injury on the treadmill. Yeah, and I'm not saying this is the case with you, but I think a lot of people get injured on a treadmill because they have a pace in mind of what they think the treadmill ought to say. And not every treadmill is really calibrated correctly. So it could be that you're running a 715 mile when the treadmill says you're actually running a 745 or 8 mile and so you're just pushing yourself harder than you need to so I think that is an issue and then just with the belt and the mechanical and it doing some of the work for you it has to change your form a little bit and stress your joints and muscles and tendons in a different way. We've got access to a wheel we could use on the treadmill to test its accuracy. That sounds like a fun project sometime. Yeah I thought about that before but in all honesty, I just am fine with putting a towel over whatever the display is saying and just keeping it by feel, especially on an easy day. Because my watch, I'll set my watch for a treadmill run and it'll say I'm doing an 830 mile and I know my effort is nowhere close to yielding that pace. But So the watch is off. The treadmill may or may not be off, but I get in the time and get a little bit of exercise in and it's all good. All good. Yep. And even though I didn't babysit Ellie the last couple of days, she came over both days. We went and got her early or I went and got her early Thursday, but as the snow started accumulating, I think Jacob and Shelby got a little nervous that the baby might get stuck at grandma's and granddaddy's house. So they came and got her. But we played on a new gymnastics map. One of our athletes we saw on Facebook was actually selling a gymnastics map. So I scarfed it up 
for the baby because you know that's just what we have space for and room for in our house is a big gymnastics mat but tell me all those giggles and her running up and down it has not been worth it she loves it she does love it and then yesterday her parents took her out in the snow and she didn't really know what to think but she was laughing and jibber jabbering and having a big Big time. She wasn't moving around much in it, but... And her daddy threw snowballs at her. And she laughed. And she really laughed when her daddy threw snowballs at her mom. Mm-hmm. So going back to my training just for a minute, I've been thinking about going to the pool while I'm taking some time off of running. Well, there's a little problem with our pool. It's not a problem for our daughter Bethany going to the pool. And when it, the water is 77 degrees... But I'm just not there yet. How long has that heater been broken now? It's going on probably five, six weeks now. But I I had toyed with the idea of setting a goal to swim a little bit every week of the year. But this first week of the year is just about gone. And we got word today that the pool heater is going to be out for probably another two weeks. And then once it's repaired, it'll take a minute to get the temperature back to where it needs to be. So I may just have to suck it up buttercup and jump in that cold water. Well, here's the thing. If you can go outside and run in 20 degree weather, you ought to be able to swim in 77 degree water. You want to go with me? No, thank you. But I didn't make a goal to swim every week in 2022. I'm still enjoying my run focus. Yeah, so I've been keeping up with the technology news, and this week the Consumer Electronics Show was held in Las Vegas in person. Wasn't as big as some years. I didn't go, but I have been keeping up with some of the announcements, and I thought I would run a few of these product announcements by you. I think you'll be impressed. It is um, probably permissible in your job that you could go to an in-person technology conference. I'll have to consider that. Especially if Las Vegas is warm. I'm sure it's warmer than it is here right now. Anyway, back to your point. So BMW demonstrated a car that changes colors. Like a mood ring? Yes, I think it had three colors to choose from. Black, white, and gray. Oh, so you would select which color you want to drive around in. It didn't Right. doesn't change based on if it's rainy Correct. or cold. Or... But think about how difficult that would be for law enforcement. So if somebody sees a crime and it's a black BMW, well, they go around the curve and they change it to white. You just never know. You've been watching too much of that FBI Sue Thomas show. That's a really good show. <laughs> if you want some good, clean entertainment, check out Pure Flix. And we... Just finished watching a series called Sue Thomas FBI. With the I crossed out and E-Y-E in Be- its place. Because she reads lips. Yes, she's deaf. And it's based on a true story where there was a FBI agent named Sue Thomas. And she has a couple of cameos in the series. So that's interesting. Yeah, really cute show and interesting plot. Yeah, so we ended up getting Pure Flix because... God's Not Dead 4 was going to be aired on it. Was it number four? I don't remember. I think that's correct. So I went to register for a two-week free trial so we could watch that movie. Then I realized it was only going to be $75 for the year. And I thought, hey, Pure Flix, why not support something positive? So I just went ahead and paid for a year. I think it's a good investment. We've gotten a lot of quality time together watching shows. It gives us something to do while we're... 
utilizing your Christmas present. Yes, my recovery boots. And it's a little less stressful than skip bow. Oh, now you want to talk about skip bow. All right, let's go back to the Consumer Electronics Show. Oh, no. Let's talk about skip bow. I've got a slight edge right now. <laughs> I was up three games, and he went on a seven-game tear, so he's up four games. You won last time, so it's down to three. Yes. But you did win seven in a row. Back to the Consumer Electronics Show. So LG announced a product called the Omnipad, and it's described as a autonomous or self-driving van, but it could be your mobile office, your fitness studio, your kitchen, your home theater, all wrapped into this vehicle. It looks like a modern-day version of the VW van. That was in Back to the Future. You remember that van? I remember that van mostly because my dad had a van like that. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm. His was white and red. Okay. But that would be pretty cool to be exercising during your commute to work or fixing your breakfast while you're on your commute to work. Or maybe you just don't even have to commute to work. You're working out of your Omnipad while you're on your way to your vacation destination. Lots of possibilities there. I still don't see it happening. It might happen, but control freaks like me are going to be a little leery of a self-driven automobile. I mean, you know, I'm somewhat of a side seat driver anyway. (laughs) It's coming. Delivery vehicles are going to be autonomous. Semi-trucks are going to be autonomous. Eventually the airplanes. Okay, so an autonomous delivery truck pulls up in front of our house. It still has to be manned. Robots. Mm. Robots. George Jetson. LG also announced the largest OLED television, 97 inches. Can you imagine that? That's eight foot diagonal. That's a big TV. And then I thought this was pretty cool and it relates to cycling safety. A company that I hadn't heard of before called Ape Mans. They have a product called Seeker. It's a rear camera, so it's, you know, mounted to your seat post facing backwards, and it's monitoring what's going on behind you, but then it's displaying that on your connected phone that's in front of you, and that's pretty cool, but then it also had laser lights that formed lines on either side of the cycle, the bicycle, so that drivers knew how much space to give you, and to me that seems like a much cleaner approach than this guy <laughs> that's got the, the noodle hanging off the side of his bicycle in our town. I don't know. I think the pool noodle is pretty clever. Pretty clever. But then, technically, do you need to be three feet away from the pool noodle? That's a good question. (laughs) But if you're interested in that particular cycling safety device, their website said it's available for pre-order right now at a sale price. Speaking of pre-order sale price, when our granddaughter was... I don't know, three months old, you ordered a pre-order sale for a little gizmo for her? Yeah, a Kickstarter. And she will be two next month. About every six months, I get an email saying, we've had some delays, it's going to be another six months. And they offer to give us our money back, but they let us know how much more it's going to be, how much more expensive it's going to be when they finally do release it. (laughs) Yes, and... If she's 16 and they're still offering our money back, maybe we should take our money back because it's a baby toy. Yeah, it's going to help her learn Chinese, though. Of course. Another product that maybe it's been around for a while, I just hadn't seen it. 
and we could have used that this week. It was the Snowbot, and that's basically a robotic snow removal robot, kind of like a Roomba for the snow. You map out what area you want it to clear, and you let it go. I'm not sure we get enough snow in our region to make that economical. We'd have to see how much it costs versus just paying somebody to remove the snow. I'm but thinking we could do the whole neighborhood. Oh, look at you being all entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> there was a co-worker of mine uh, before he retired. He had a habit of taking his gas-powered snow blower and clearing all the neighbor's driveways. He just enjoyed doing that. Wow. So yesterday, some, was it men or teenagers? Men. Came to our door offering to clear our driveway, and you turned them down. I was looking forward to getting out in the snow, even if it was the shovel. Well, there you go. And it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad at all. So getting back to the ape man seeker, that made me think, I wonder what other new cycling safety devices are out there that I haven't checked into recently. And I thought I'd mention just a few of them. These weren't at the Consumer Electronics Show, but I thought they were interesting. There are several brands of the smart glasses that will allow you to see your speed, your power, your cadence, your time, etc. right there in your glasses display and also navigation. And that's a great idea so that you don't get lost and so that you can keep your eyes on the road. And I thought it was interesting that Garmin has a similar product. It's called the Verari Vision, V-A-R-I-A, Verari Vision. And it's an attachment that goes on whatever glasses that you want to wear. Varia? Varia. Maybe it is Varia. So that's another option. And that would be cool because you could attach it to my glasses or your glasses or whatever. Uh, And then we have talked about the Road ID app before, but I was visiting their site and noticed that they have the ability to do live tracking now. So that's a cool feature. So every so often you would get a breadcrumb letting you know where I'm at on the bike. And if you got worried about me, you could look me up and see where I was at. Or so I'd know when to have your dinner ready. Exactly. (laughs) You're such a good cook. And then there's the Lumos LED helmet, which is very bright on the back. And you can even have different digital images on the back of your helmet. And there are several vests that can light up and be used for turn signals to let the cars behind you know what's going on. And is that what they're called? Turn signal vests? Yeah. They're not not called blinker vests? (laughs) I'm sure there are other podcasts listeners who use the term blinker in a vehicle to indicate when you want to make a turn. We have an ongoing argument in our family about whether these are called turn signals or blinkers, and we'll just leave it at that. (laughs) And what is the sound that it makes when you activate the turn signal? Blink, 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 blink. It can make that sound, but that doesn't change what it is. It's a blinker. It's a turn signal that blinks. All right. Well, those are the highlights from the Consumer Electronics Show. What about Aftershocks? Do you have something about that? I just took a note that they are rebranding themselves from Aftershocks to to just Shocks. Shocking. S-H-O-K-Z. Shocks. Well, there you go. Next year, if they're having this in Las Vegas when it's 10 degrees here, we may ought to go there. 
maybe so. So what else do you have for our listeners today? So going back to the challenges this week that I had with running because of a, a little injury, I've had a fair share of injuries over my athletic career. And I try not to let it get me down because I'm so thankful for the days that I can train when I'm healthy. And I just try to be thankful even when things are not going as planned and I have to sit on the sideline for a little bit. And I just am reminded that athletics and training and racing are not the most important thing in life. A relationship with the Lord needs to be the main thing. And if I need a little reminder every once in a while, I am thankful for that. Yeah. In the Bible in a Year app that I've been listening to one day this week, the title was Battles and Blessings. And I thought it was just neat how the commentary kind of summarized the psalm and the New Testament and Old Testament reading is that Really, battles and blessings don't exist in isolation. Being a Christian does not mean you're not going to face battles and difficulties, but pressing in and being able to see the blessings even in the hard times is important. Yeah. What do you got for us today? Well, I wanted to talk a little bit more today on running and running form. And just maybe a few suggestions or ideas of how to improve your running form. It'll be hard to understand everything we're talking about without visuals here, but I just thought it would be something to revisit. And what got me thinking about this week is we have one particular athlete who ongoing battles injury and some form things that contribute to being prone to injury. But then we also have a new athlete just signed on a week or so ago, and his cadence is really, really slow as far as even if you look at a range of what it ought to be. So I was doing a little research thinking about what I would share with him and what how we would kind of coach him and improving that and this isn't specific to everyone because some people just naturally have that cadence that's right around 180 steps per minute if you're counting the foot strike on both sides so that would be 90 times your right foot hits in a minute or 180 times that both feet strike the ground in a minute anyway i was just doing some research and watching some videos and thinking about things that I want to share with this athlete. And I thought I came across some things that I thought would be, in general, good for all runners and probably some things that I'll start incorporating more in my running. It's things that I've seen before and things that I've done in the past, but it's always nice to get a little refresher and reminder just to keep you going in the right direction. So really with running, and again, I think it's been different for you because you started running in third grade where I started at age 43. So you started running when you were a kid and already running. I started running when I really hadn't run in a long time (laughs) since I was a kid. So I think things just track differently on what makes sense. But from what I've gained and gleaned over the last 10 or 11 years of studying running and the last 20 years of coaching running, that I think it's really key to think about being light on your feet and quick on your feet. And really the less time each foot's on the ground, the better. So 
I thought maybe we could start by talking a little bit about how to get that lightness, that light feeling on your feet. That sounds like a good direction to go. All right, and you can chime in with anything you'd like along the way. We'll just kind of see where this leads. But one of the drills that I was looking at is if you, before, and I wouldn't do this in the middle of the run or anything, but here's where I would incorporate this after I do my light stretching routine and my hamstring PT exercises and I go outside and get ready to run, before I take off, I'm going to stand on my flat street in front of my house with my feet together and I'm just going to start leaning forward, but my ankles being the hinge. So the rest of my body is just intact and I'm going to start leaning forward with my ankles being the hinge. And as I start to get that feeling to where I'm going to fall forward, I'm going to step into my first stride and take just five or ten steps into that run. And then... At a normal pace or a quick pace? Yeah, just a normal pace. But just getting that feeling of a slight lean forward helps you get the sense of being light and quick on your feet. And I've done that drill in the past. I've really kind of forgotten about it, but it's a really helpful one. So I'm going to start doing that before each run. So do you think I described that well enough where people without a visual could understand that? I felt like I followed that pretty well. So you're staying straight, except that you're bending at the ankles. And really not even bending, just hinging. Hinging, yes. Yep. And then once you get so far, you're going to naturally feel like you need to take a step or you're going face plant. So take that step and make that my first step in, I don't know, five to ten steps and then stop do that again a couple times. So that's one thing that I think I'm going to incorporate. Another thing you can do if you struggle with what is the proper leg motion in a run, you can just stand and march in place. Because when you, when you march in place, your foot should be staying underneath your center of gravity. So it almost goes straight up underneath your rump a little bit. And then your knee comes up pretty high. So if you just do a high knee march in place, that'll kind of emulate a little bit what it's like for that running motion to be driven with the knee, yet your foot staying within the center of gravity. Yeah, that's key. Keeping your foot that's on the ground under your center of gravity. Yeah, and even your foot that comes up when you're marching in place will stay under that center of gravity. Now, obviously, when you're running, each foot's going to range out of your center of gravity, but anytime it's in contact with the ground, it should be in your... When it first strikes the ground, you should already be in your center of gravity. And that's really good to do if you have a tendency of overstriding, if you have a tendency of your foot striking, your heel striking out in front of your knee, then just march in place. So then another thing you can do, which is similar to marching in place, but it's a little bit more dynamic, is you can actually do an exaggerated skipping where you're thinking a lot more of an upward bound motion than a forward motion. Like you're not trying to gain a lot of forward ground with each skip. But the goal is to kind of think of the ground as really hot, maybe hot coal or something. And really, as soon as the foot strikes the ground with each skip, just really pop it off that pavement quickly. And so skipping with a high knee and an exaggerated leaving the ground quickly. A focus on height rather than distance. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be super high, but you just want to get off the ground as quickly as possible. It's kind of like hot potato with feet. I'm thinking of hot lava. Hot lava. (laughs) What's making you think of 
Last week you talked about hot ice. Now you're talking about hot lava. It's something hot. You don't want your feet to stay on very long. This is true. Or at all. Not at <laughs> So, and then another way, another drill that I really haven't tried this, but I thought it was interesting as I read about it and watched some video on it is if you're sluggish with your feet and you're really needing to get your cadence up, one thing you can do is find a nice, smooth, safe surface like a soccer field or a football field or a, a grassy playground that you know is smooth and doesn't have a lot of rock or debris in it. Is you can actually kick off your shoes and do a little bit of running barefoot because if you don't have shoes on, those nerves on the bottom of your feet are going to keep you from landing too heavily. So it's just a... And I'm not a minimalist runner or an advocate of barefoot running, but I think this just with short strides or short intervals just to get your feet used to getting off the ground quickly, that that might be something that would help. Because if you're barefoot, you're going to be a little bit more tender-footed, and so you're going to be keeping those feet off the ground a little bit more naturally. Yeah. So I think those are the things that really help as far as thinking about being light on your feet. Did you have anything you wanted to add specifically to that? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I may have something to add at the end. Okay. And then another thing, which we've talked about this before too, but a lot of people really get focused and honed in on foot strike and they do it like they have the mindset of, I need to land on my toes. Well, you don't necessarily need to land on your toes. You don't necessarily need to land on your heel. In fact, landing on the heel is most likely putting on the brake. So you want to think more of landing midfoot and pressing forward you just and I wouldn't focus too much on that foot strike but the most important thing is when that foot does strike it strikes below or even a little bit behind the knee and under the center of gravity and definitely at the center of gravity for sure so a lot of people ask us about that do I need to strike on my toe or my heel we would definitely say no to heel striking especially like in front of the knee heel striking which you see that a lot but we've seen great runners who strike on the ball of the foot and we've seen great runners who strike a little bit behind midfoot like closer to the heel but the commonality is hitting at the center of gravity which is always going to be below or slightly behind the knee does that make sense it does to me yeah and then for those of you who are newer runners, if you just think about a relaxed head position, if you're seeing your feet when you're running, like you're looking down at your feet, that is not a relaxed head position. You've got your neck cocked downward. So really, if you think about just looking 30, 40, 50 yards ahead of you, or if you're in a race, keeping your eyes on the pack that's in front of you. You just don't want to be looking down. You want your head to, you want your neck and head to be relaxed in a neutral position. We talked about earlier that there's going to be a little bit of a leaning forward uh, position. Well, that does not mean putting your head down. Your uh, leaning forward position, your head still and neck are still neutral, and you just kind of have that feeling that your chin's out a little in front of your chest, and your chest is out a little bit in front of your hips. But all of that's all of that is really coming from what we did earlier, as far as hinging from your ankles to get that forward motion with each strike. So you want to keep your head neutral, and 
Another thing, and this is something I've really had to work on, is keeping shoulders neutral and relaxed. If you have your shoulders carrying tension, if they're hunched upward or if you're leaning backward, it's just not going to allow that oxygen to flow like it needs to. So you need a neutral head position, relaxed shoulders, so that that oxygen can continue to flow well. I've noticed on some of my runs that my neck gets tight and I'll try to look to the left, look to the right, look up to the sky, look down towards the ground, just put my neck in some different positions quickly and then refocus on the direction I'm heading. But just try to naturally rotate my neck to loosen it up a little bit. That seems to help. Yeah. And then, of course, having a relaxed head and relaxed shoulders, that's going to put your arms in a good position to be relaxed because we know that our arms are just going to be our pendulums and they're just going to be moving back and forth to counterbalance the work that's going on in our hips and our legs. And then again, if you draw, if you put a dot on your nose and a dot on your belly button and just draw a vertical line to connect those dots to split your body in half equally. I'm getting a visual. Yep. You just want to make sure your arms aren't and your hands aren't swinging across that line. You want you want your pendulums to be swinging in the direction that you're moving. And we see often athletes, and even professional athletes, carry their arms high, and there's not a lot of benefit from that arm motion. It's more beneficial, like you say, to engage the arms in a relaxed manner, forwards and backwards in the direction that you're traveling. Yeah, and we've seen that a lot. I would say that... In a relaxed position, your elbows are going to, your elbow joint is going to be at about a 90 degree angle. But you do see, uh, especially professional women's distance runners, you really see that angle decrease maybe to a 70 to even a 40 degree angle. You see them carrying those arms high. So, but if that's relaxed for them, you just want, you want them relaxed and you don't want them swinging across, across your center line. So... And I would say have someone videotape you running when you just start and you're relaxed and not fatigued. And then have someone videotape you in the last half mile of a really hard effort, whether that be a race or a workout. Because sometimes when we know what good form is and when our bodies are fresh, we practice that good form. When we're fatigued, that form breaks down and we're not even realizing that. It's nice to have that videotape. And if our athletes videotape themselves, we always like to see that footage because it's interesting for us to see what that form looks like because that helps us help them. So it's what, you know, what they say, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Yeah, and the same thing, although this is a topic on running form, the same goes for swimming in the pool. We enjoy looking at swim technique and making suggestions. Yeah, and technique is even more paramount in improving swim. It's just swim is very technical. And, And very cold where we are. Yeah. And so if you notice that your form is a lot different toward the end of a hard workout or at the end of a race than it is when you're doing a nice relaxed effort and you're not fatigued, then you probably want to up your game as far as core workouts. 
and keeping that core strong because as you fatigue, sometimes your core starts breaking down and so your limbs start compensating in very odd ways. So planks and other activities that really strengthen that core are extremely important for runners. Yeah, if you're if you find yourself leaning severely to one side near the end of a really long run, then you likely have some conditioning to do to strengthen your core. So that's basically what I've looked at and some things that I'm going to start incorporating in running and just wondered if you had anything that you felt like would be good to share with our listeners as well. I think one other area that we haven't covered so far is flexibility. So there's two aspects of running that relate to increased speed. That's either increasing your cadence or increasing your stride length. Now we don't want to overstride because that's just a recipe for injury. So you're either going to turn your legs over faster or you're going to be more powerful and more efficient with your stride and get more distance for each one of those steps. So flexibility is something to work on because if your leg muscles, your hips, your glutes, if those muscles are tight, then they're going to restrict the amount of distance you can cover in a step. And if that's the case, then your only option for increasing speed is increasing your cadence. So working on flexibility can help you get speed at the same cadence, and it should be with very little extra effort. Yeah, and honestly, that should be the variable, the biggest variable. There will be some difference in cadence in professional athletes when they're doing their easy run versus their tempo race pace runs, but in general, their cadence is pretty steady. It's the distance they get per stride, and that's just based on the sheer effort and force they're using that speeds them up. And yes, their cadence will get a little faster too, but honestly, it's that distance per step that's a much bigger variable in increasing speed with professional athletes. Yeah, so it's a combination of strength and flexibility. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the only other thing I wanted to add on running form today. Did you have anything else? No, I think that... We've got a lot of food for thought in this one, so maybe we can just wrap it up with the Bible verse. One that stood out to me this week was 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In our battles, find the blessing. Amen. At RYR Endurance Team, we specialize in customized coaching. What is customized coaching? It's more than a training plan. It's a relationship. It's a partnership. So what are your goals? What are you training for? Contact us at ryrcoach at gmail.com or visit us on our website, ryrenduranceteam.com. Hey, if you enjoy our podcast, please do us a favor. Give us a five-star review and subscribe. This helps others find us. Thanks for listening.